Okay, now you see this gentleman? Now he's giving me this, uh, this sign and it says, we're on in 10 seconds, so get ready to have a good time. Get ready for the game and get to know your favorite Lightning players. This is exciting, isn't it? This is the opening face-off with LightningInsider.com's Eric Erlinson. All right, here we go. On Lightning Power Play. Happy Hockey Day, Lightning fans. Welcome to the opening face-off here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. That's where you find my written work. Your host, as we get you set for tonight's 7 p.m. contest against the Edmonton Oilers, Tampa Bay, back in town after a brief two-game road trip for a brief two-game homestand that concludes on Saturday against the Philadelphia Flyers. That'll be a 4 p.m. puck drop, by the way. Make sure you note that on your calendar that Saturday's game is a 4 p.m. start. Uh, no opening face-off show on Saturday, just to make sure that uh, that's out there because of logistic issues involving uh, the team practice and how we do the show, and it's just we're not going to be able to bring the show to you on Saturday. So the next opening face-off show after this one will be on February the 25th when Tampa Bay hosts the Toronto Maple Leafs the day after the NHL trade deadline passes. All right On today's show, uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to chat with Braden Point, uh, Lightning Center, about the team's game the other night against the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, his play and where he's at in terms of recovering from the hips surgery that he had last year and he's going to be an important part of this team for obvious reasons moving forward so uh, we'll talk to Braden Point. Uh, also normally we have Bobby the Chief Taylor on the show but we decided that Greg Linnelli's interview with Darren Dreger the other day that he ran. Darren Dreger of course one of the main TSN insiders uh, that, that they have up in Canada was kind enough to uh, spend a segment with Greg the other day on his show, Lightning Power Play Live. So we want to replay that for you uh, just because we think there's a lot of really pertinent information. And if you missed it uh, with Greg the other day, we want to bring that to you here. So you'll hear that uh, in the final segment that we normally have with Bobby the Chief Taylor. Uh, but instead, we'll have that interview Greg had with Darren Dreger in our final segment. All right. Uh, lots to kind of cover today. And uh, I, I don't rarely sort of uh, double up on information in terms of uh, the other show that I have, Lightning Lunch, that you can hear weekdays from noon to one. But heading into tonight's game, it, it, it's something that we're going to have to talk about a lot. Uh, first of all, Edmonton comes in with an injury situation of their own. They've been without James Neal for a couple of weeks. He was placed on IR yesterday with a broken foot. So he is not in the lineup tonight for Edmonton, but uh, so too absent for the Oilers is Connor McDavid. And in a way, it's a shame that I'm sure there's people who bought tickets to this game specifically to come see Connor McDavid play because he's a treat to watch live. What, what he's able to do that you see on television, and we know that sometimes what you see on TV doesn't translate to necessarily what happens in the game and, and how you view it and then how you see it live. He comes off as a spectacular player on TV. There's no doubt about it. There's things that Connor McDavid can do that no other player can do. He has a skill set that is extremely unique in terms of the pace that he can play at with the puck on his stick and the decision-making he can make in such a quick uh, amount of time, a short amount of time. 
to process at all. So it's a shame for those who bought a ticket to tonight's game, specifically to see McDavid, that he will not be in the lineup. He suffered a quad injury over the weekend in Saturday's game that's going to keep him out uh, two to three weeks is a timeline that was given. Ken Holland did address this on Monday. Uh, in terms of the time he's going to miss, so that means he will be absent tonight. He missed Tuesday's game uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks uh, as well. Uh, but no Connor McDavid in the lineup tonight for Edmonton. Uh, doesn't mean that the Edmonton's a pushover by any means. This is a team that's kind of turned their usual fortunes around. They come in with a record of 30, 20, and 6 with 66 points. Uh, they are currently occupying a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Uh, Pacific Division, certainly not the strongest by any means uh, in the league, but they do sit uh, in a playoff spot. They've been pretty consistent in a playoff spot. They brought in some players to kind of help round out their team a little bit. It's, it's always been the last couple of years, the Connor McDavid show for sure, and it is one hell of a show to watch uh, for sure. Uh, they currently sit in second place in the Pacific Division, three points out of first place, Vancouver with two games in hand. Uh, they are only, of course, though, three points ahead of uh, the number eight team in the Western Conference. That's the Winnipeg Jets. But, uh, you know, they're not really in necessarily danger of dropping out. At the moment, uh, Vegas has 64 points, and then Calgary and Arizona, who occupy the number one and number two wildcard spots at the moment, uh, also have 64 points. So a very tight bunch in the Pacific uh, Pacific Division that can happen. So uh, this is not a pushover team by any stretch. You know, their goaltending has been adequate, which is not something that they can always say. Uh, both Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith come in with a 2.9-ish goals against average and a save percentage above 900. That's sort of the threshold, right? But while they do not have Connor McDavid, and yes, this is a team last year that had uh, one of the 250 goal scorers in the year, they had 200 point scorers in their lineup, uh, did not make the playoffs. This year, though, they've kind of rounded things out. But even without McDavid, they have Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl is that 50 goal scorer, that 100 point guy from last year. They are a fantastic duo. There's no doubt about it. And Dreisaitl the other night had four points against a Chicago team that is trying hard to get back into the postseason. You know, they had crept their way up to being in contention, uh, having won six of seven, and now the Blackhawks have lost six in a row, uh, including last night they lost in Vancouver. So uh, that was a Chicago team that was really desperate for points, and Edmonton was able to beat them, even without McDavid, because Dreisaitl had four points. Anytime we talk about Edmonton, we always talk about McDavid, and for good reason. But... Dreisaitl is a top, probably a top 10 player in this league. So you can't overlook this Edmonton team simply because McDavid's not playing. No one player, especially in this sport, makes a team. I mean, ask Marcel Dion all those years where he was a, one of the top players in the league. Didn't really equate to a lot of team success. And in some ways, that has been Connor McDavid to this point in his career. Only made the playoffs once since he came into the league. And this is where the, the Oilers now are turning things over. Now, I mentioned it's a storyline for tonight, and, it, and it's a big one. Uh, perhaps, though, the bigger storyline involved is the injuries on the Lightning side. 
Because imagine, if you will, you purchased a ticket for this February the 13th game at Amelie Arena, knowing the Edmonton Oilers were in town, and you would have the chance to watch on the same sheet of ice compete against each other, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov. It's pretty good, right? Three of those four players will not play tonight. And since I told you Dreisaitl's playing, gives you the idea that the Lightning will be missing both Stamkos and Kucherov tonight, as well as Anthony Sorelli. Of course, they're already missing Ryan McDonough and Jan Ruda. So the Lightning, which have been relatively injury-free for most of the season, now has five regulars out of the lineup for tonight's game. Now, the good news with that is that none of those injuries, at least the three most recent injuries, Stamkos, of course, has missed the previous two games with an unspecified lower body injury. Anthony Sorelli left after the first period against Pittsburgh the other night after blocking a shot against Evgeny Malkin. And Nikita Kucherov left at the end of the second period after a hit along the boards from Jack Johnson, which didn't appear to be much, but he was certainly stunned by it and uh, sort of limped his way down the tunnel towards the Lightning locker room in that game. The good news is, is none of them are expected to be long-term. Steven Stamkos did take part in the morning skate today. He was not out there for the full skate, but he did take part in it. At least he skated with the team. Didn't take part in power play drills. That's usually your indicator that he's not going to play, and that was confirmed by head coach John Cooper shortly after the morning skate. Uh, but both uh, Kucherov and Sorelli and Stamkos were all considered day-to-day, -day. and under the circumstances, that's okay. You don't want to hear, as we heard with McDonough and Ruta, you don't want to hear the word weeks tossed around with injuries, right? It's it, You're going to feel it. You're going to feel the absence. There's no doubt about it. Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov both on long scoring streaks. Stamkos was at 10 when he went out. Kucherov actually extended his to 12 before he left Tuesday's game. He did pick up an assist on Mikhail Sergachev's power play goal. Anthony Sorelli, I had written about him twice <laughs> over this past weekend at LightningInsider.com in regards to the job he did against Sidney Crosby the game here last Thursday and how he went head-to-head -head in the matchup against Crosby in a nearly eight minutes of head-to-head -head ice time. It was Sorelli and his line with Andre Pilat and Tyler Johnson that had a majority of the puck as the shot attempts were 10 to four in that game and the scoring chances were eight to one in Sorelli's favor. And then that fantastic defensive play that Sorelli made against Matt Barzell on Saturday against the Islanders. And then he was tasked again to start the game on Tuesday against Crosby. So you see the importance of a Sorelli in this situation. So. Okay, he's not the 50-goal scorer that Steven Stamkos is. He's not the 100-point guy that Nikita Kucherov is. But you could make the argument that he's just as important. So you don't, you don't replace players of that caliber. You fill holes, but you can't replace. And to have to do it 
in at least one game tonight against a quality opponent in the Edmonton Oilers in a situation where I don't know what the lines are going to look like. Cameron Gauntz, who was called up when both Ruta and McDonough were injured to be the seventh defenseman, will be in the lineup tonight. Is he going to play D or is he going to play forward? Don't know because he did take some rushes this morning as a forward, but he was dressed as a defenseman. So he's going to see some playing time tonight. Alex Volkoff is the forward that they called up. We've seen Volkoff a couple of times this year. I thought we saw progression from his first call-up to his second call-up. His first call-up uh, at the end of October through the middle of November, I thought he looked, I don't want to say out of place, but he didn't look ready, looked kind of timid at the time, wasn't necessarily engaged. Compare that to his second call-up. I thought he was a lot more active, tried to make some plays, had the puck on a stick, created a couple of scoring chances. You know, the one thing that they've asked Volkov to improve on over the last couple of years is his consistency level. He has improved that in a lot of areas uh, in Syracuse at the AHL level. Now they want to see him maybe do it at the NHL level. They think he is a player who can be an NHL regular, has the skill set, has the size, has the understanding. So there's a lot of things that they like about Alex Volkov, former second-round draft pick. So he's going to get an expanded opportunity, and not that he didn't have it before. I mean, look, when he first came up, he was put on a line with Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. So he was given ample opportunity in that first call-up for sure. But he's going to be asked to take on a little bit more of a, of a role right now with both Stamkos and Kucherov out. At least for tonight, we don't know what Saturday's game is going to bring. Uh, Saturday at, against Philadelphia at 4 o'clock. So there won't be a morning skate before that game to see what the availability of uh, any of these players might be come Saturday. You know, Yanni Gord, who scored his first goal since the end of November, since before Thanksgiving. Does he get an opportunity to play a more expanded role, an offensive role? We know he can do it. He's got back-to-back 20-goal -back seasons. Braden Point, is just as he did his rookie year, is going to be tasked with a lot more now, with no Sorelli specifically. You know, does he does he take that head-to-head -head matchup tonight? Him and his line, whoever's going to be on it, do they get the top matchup against Dreisaitl? Probably with no Sorelli there. Probably that's what you you will find. I would assume that it'll be Andre Pilat and Tyler Johnson on his line. Won't know till tonight. But injuries are a big part of this game, uh, and they're really a big part of the game tonight because it's affected both teams, and injuries are part of it. I mean, this is a hard game to play. It's a physical, it's a tough game. We talked with Corey Long on Lightning Lunch on Wednesday. He, he brought up the phrase, and I hate the phrase, but I understand what it means, load management. You know, there's been a lot of games condensed here, right? And we're starting to see players injured. Now, I don't think there's a correlation necessarily between the two. 
right? Because if you look at the injuries the Lightning are suffering, I mean, two of them are blocked shots off of Malkin, you know, pucks off of Malkin's stick, Evgeny Malkin. And Nikita Kucherov was sort of hit a little awkwardly into the boards. So that's not, like, if you think of overuse, if you think of fatigue, you're thinking of muscle fatigue, right? So you would think, you know, groin muscles or quad muscles or you don't see too many hamstring injuries in hockey, but, um, you know, those type of injuries, you're not seeing those type of injuries. These are just injuries of bad luck, at least in the Lightning's case. So I don't know if that's because of overuse. I mean, look, the more games you play, the odds are that at some point it's going to catch up with you. That's just that's just the odds. So I don't think these are necessarily situations in which the Lightning are, are playing too many games. We know that they played those 13 games in 21 days leading into the bye week, and it's been a pretty condensed schedule since then. They'll catch a little break next week as they'll play in Denver against the Avalanche on Monday. They don't play again until Thursday, so that's they even had too many day, uh, situations where they've had two days between games really since Christmas, outside of the bye week, of course. So have to deal with it. It's part of it. The good news is, is that none of them are considered to be long-term at this point, and I guess that's the best news you can take out of this under the circumstances. All right, again, Lightning against the Edmonton Oilers tonight at 7 p.m. Pre-game show starts at 6.30. Greg Lanelli follows this show at 5.30 with Lightning Power Play Live. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk with Lightning Center, Braden Point. Stick around for that. Before the battle on the ice. Game on! Game on! You've got to have the opening face-off. I was not aware of that. This is opening face-off with Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to the opening face-off here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com getting you set for tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers. It is a 7 p.m. puck drop, and we're pleased right now to be joined by Lightning Center, Braden Point. And, Braden, we always appreciate you uh, guys sitting down and talking to us here on a game day. And uh, before we look ahead too much to tonight's game, uh, the two-game trip, Columbus and Pittsburgh, 2-1 uh, overtime wins. How much are you guys into a situation now where you know you can play good defense and you can rely on that good defense and wait for your opportunities uh, as you start to maybe you see that as a little bit of a team identity? Yeah, it's um, it's something we've worked on all year for sure, and I think we're starting to see dividends. Um, you know, it's there's some growing pains and, and there's things to learn as the year starts, but I think you know we're starting to find a groove. And like you say, they're starting to worry about our own net first. Obviously, still giving up chances, but um, you know, especially in that Pittsburgh game, I thought Vazzy did a great job, um, and and Mac and the Columbus making some big timely saves for us, um, allowing us to uh, to eventually get the win. Six straight games now. You've allowed two or fewer game or two two or fewer goals in a game. You're really starting to feel comfortable with that style of play too. The as we know, when the second half of the season kicks around, especially right around this time of the year, the scoring chances tend to dry up a little bit, and not necessarily playoff hockey, but just a playoff style mentality in terms of being comfortable with that pace. Yeah, it, it like you say, it tightens up, and um, scoring chances are tougher to come by. And uh, you know, I think. The thing last year was we were, we were always pushing for offense. I think now, you know, we're we're taking care of our end first. We're not we're not uh, we're not forcing plays. We're playing smart with the puck, more responsible with it. And um, you know, I think that's 
showing results for us. You know, obviously, fewer scoring chances against, and actually still getting a still getting a, a good amount just from from turnovers and uh, and then, and other teams forcing on us. The power play has been a topic, but we haven't talked about it as much because of how good you guys have been on the penalty kill. When when you think about that, you don't want to lose a special teams battle, but if you can even it up. How much does that kind of factor into games? Even the other night, you know, you give up the one power play goal, but you get one back. Even the special teams battle, you have a final way to win the game. Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, like you say, we are, the PK uh, PP has been struggling, but we've been getting bailed out by our by our PK, and uh, you know they're doing a great job. They're they're sacrificing a ton, and um, you know I think uh, I think hopefully that you know we get that PP goal on uh, in Pittsburgh. Hopefully that. Uh, Starts to uh, trend upwards for us. Get some more, get some more chances. Get some more looks. And I think you know, you look at that goal. It's just the guy shooting the puck and getting some traffic. I think just simplifying sometimes is better. But uh, like you say, even in up the special teams is, is a huge part. And I think we're doing a good job on five. When you're on the bench in overtime, there right before you guys come on the ice, and you see Stevens and uh, Palat and Sergachev two and a half minute shift in a three on three situation and you find that they get away out of it do, do you have to reward them at that point I mean I know things kind of worked in your favor there but uh, you know to kind of see them come back to the bench when guys pass out of two-on-one opportunities you know they're gassed right yeah that was uh, that was I haven't seen that I don't think maybe ever but I mean you know he two and a half minute shift and had just blocked a shot um, off the off the legs so um, I mean just completely gassed out I can't even can't even go, but I mean that just shows that the team, it's kind of the team bond we have. You know, you guys got a chance to score, and you know instead of going out gassed, he gives he gives Hedy a chance to get out there and, and, and take a shot at it. Um, we end up scoring right after because we catch them a little bit tired, but uh, just to see that compete and and uh, you know all four guys, you know Bazzi too. That's a lot. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of movement. That's especially against that team. Sorry, I know I'm rambling here, but and I mean it's a, it was a big shift and against some world-class players, some of the best players in our game. So uh, definitely uplifting to see. And then to be able to feed Yanni and, and feed him for uh, his first goal in a, in a long period of time, how happy were you guys for him when to see that go in? Yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, you know, you feel for a guy that's going through a stretch like that, especially Yanni. He's, he's a goal scorer. I mean, you look at this past year, he's a 20-goal he's a guy. And um, to, to see a guy go through that, it's tough. But the, the thing that with Yanni that was so impressive is he, he kept digging and he kept grinding. And, you know, he found ways to contribute even though he wasn't scoring. Um, and he was helping the team so much. So it was it was just great to see him get rewarded for it. Again, we're joined here by Braden Point on the opening faceoff, getting you set for tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, just kind of crack a little bit ahead looking to Edmonton. Uh, no Connor McDavid for them tonight, but uh, they're still a pretty dangerous team, especially with Leon Dreisaitl. Do you have to make sure you don't let your guard down and make sure that everything that you've done during this uh, seven-game winning streak just maintains intact? For sure. Um, Tons of tons of tons of talent up front and and on the back end. Really, they got they got great players that can make plays. And like you say, it's 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 about managing the game and, and you know not taking too many chances. Uh, you know, the guys like Drysaddle who can who can kind of create stuff out of nothing. You always got to make sure you know when they're on the ice. And um, as best you can, it's so hard to, to eliminate uh, those guys completely. But as much as you can, contain those guys. Um, take away time and space. Hopefully, we can do that. All right, uh, the the bye week. Did you have any opportunity to kind of do something fun and kind of get away from the game a little bit? I just, you know what, I just I just took the time to, to rest up and, and just kind of stay home and um, just spend some time just away from hockey, I guess. Just but uh, you know, I didn't go anywhere crazy or anything like that. But just just the ability to uh, to rest up, take some time off, and, and not think about it was great. Hang out at the beach. What'd you do? No, I, well, I went. We went. To uh, St. Pete one one night and, and spent the night there, but uh, 
other than that, it was just around town. Um, like I say, just just relaxing, just spending time at home and um, not focusing on hockey was a great thing. How much of that is mental more than physical? A lot of it, a lot of it. I mean, it's a grind. You know, we're playing a lot of games and not many nights. I mean, I think right before that bye week, we had a stretch of 13 and 21 or something like that, which was uh, which was tiring and it was it was stressful. And I know, you know, some guys like to go away and, and that's how they decompress, but I just like to stay home and um, and relax and it was it was good. Well, we always say you guys are kind of crazy because you never want to take games off, right? Mm -hmm. You you don't want to take practices off. Sometimes they have to tell you to take practices off. Um, so in that aspect, when you you can maybe kind of reserve some for the tank, can can that help? Can that be something down the stretch that maybe pays off? I think, I think you know, like like for the first and foremost, you, you mentally we talk about obviously mentally um, decompress and, and get away from it. But I think you know you just kind of get that new life um, where. Uh, you know, coming to the ring is always fun, but sometimes it can be a it can be a grind in those in those tough stretches. So you get that kind of you get that life back and um, get get your legs back and uh, down the stretch, I think it's huge. How about for you coming off the surgery? Everything everything good in terms of did it take you a while to kind of get your true skating legs back? Because it looks like the explosiveness in your skating's back. Yeah, it's um, you know, the the biggest thing was you're not skating in the summer, right? I mean, you're taking I think it was four months off not skating or something like that, but. Um, just just getting back on your edges and stuff you know you think you're there sometimes but um you know the start of the season was was uh when the, when the games were getting tight and a lot of uh a lot of days it was getting a little hard but um now i feel like i'm comfortable kind of right around after christmas i feel like i'm getting more comfortable Braden, uh, again we appreciate your time on a game day good luck tonight and continued success thank you all right Braden point has been our guest here on the opening face-off stick around we're going to take a break After the puck drops, drop by lightninginsider.com. I think you'll find me more than qualified. This is the opening face-off with Eric Erlinson. Booyah! On Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to the opening face-off here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com, your host. Get you set for tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers. That is a 7 p.m. puck drop. Dave Mishkin, Phil Esposito have that call for you. Pre-game show starts at 6.30. And, of course, Greg Linelli follows this show with Lightning Power Play Live at 5.30. All right, speaking of Greg, he had an interview the other day on Lightning Power Play Live with Darren Dreger, one of the big names in terms of the insiders in the uh, business with TSN. And uh, Darren Dreger was gracious and kind enough to do a segment uh, interview with Greg the other day and we felt it was important enough especially with the trade deadline now about a week and a half away to replay that interview for you with some really good insight from one of the best insiders in the business so here is Greg Linnelli's interview that aired the other day with um, Darren Dreger listen to it right now on the opening face-off boy what a difference a couple of months make when it comes to the lightning you can almost make the case Darren that they are a better team now than they were last year when they had that record-breaking year yeah, you can make that case, Greg. You're right, um, and thanks for having me again. But you know, obviously, you know, season team, a uh, playoff-worthy team, of course, a cup-contending team like the Tampa Bay Lightning knows that the only measurement comes at the end of the year when you look back on your success in the postseason, and that didn't happen, shockingly so, for the Lightning. You know, just under a year ago. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I wouldn't say that there's pessimism around this group because there's no reason to be. You know, the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. And this team is deep. 
their goaltending is top of the elite, and they've got so many good things that are going for them. However, until you get through that first round of the playoffs and then second round of the playoffs, and then you're, you're in the Eastern Conference final, and then you hopefully march back into the Stanley Cup final, uh, I think you can build a pretty sound argument that anything shy of what I've just laid out would be considered a, a disappointment. Um, so I don't think I'm, I'm I don't think that there'd be many who'd be surprised by at least the recent success of the Tampa Bay Lightning. More surprised at the fact that they stumbled a little bit earlier in the year. It's a good point, and you know I'm wondering too, Darren. In a salary cap world, just about every team has a weakness, but you feel like yeah. the Lightning. Maybe they don't have a weakness. Are they as complete a team that you're going to see in this parody-driven game? Well, they're complete. Um, you know, and I, I, I say that mindful of, of some of the other teams who are enjoying a great regular season. You know, I look at the defending cup champion, St. Louis Blues. Where's their weakness? Uh, I don't really see it. You know, you, every team has stumbling points over the course of a season. You know, I look at the success of the Boston Bruins. Boston like to add a forward. Uh, in a perfect world, it'd be a, a top six. Uh, but beyond that, is that a weakness? Um, no, they're they're adding. They're just trying to fine-tune as they brace for the final push of the regular season. Uh, and then the Washington Capitals, of course, deserve acknowledgement as well. But the Tampa Lightning are right in there. I, I don't see weakness. What I think you'd see is a need, uh, or at least a luxury, if you will, that uh, that uh, Julian Breezewell might consider. And, and that might be a bit of depth on the back end, right? You know, to, to have long-term success, you, you have to brace for injury. The Lightning know that as well as any other team in the National Hockey League because they're enduring it right now. Uh, but when I look at their defensive core, it is rock solid, provided it can stay healthy. So I wouldn't be surprised if Breezebaugh looks to bolster his blue line a little bit between now and February 24th. Well, let's get right to that. We know the price can be high, Darren, at the deadline. But I'm wondering, even if that is the case, should this team be hesitant to part ways with draft picks and prospects? Or do you take the Pittsburgh philosophy and say, look, the hell with five to ten years down the road. We got to win now. Let's do what we can. Well, I'm I'm not the general manager, nor am I the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning, so I'm going to say yes, they should follow the model of the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins because, Greg, you know this. I mean, the window closes very rapidly, right? And Jimmy Rutherford is masterful, you know, as manager of, of the Pittsburgh Penguins at, at recognizing, again, the holes that he may have. And, and, and they're not gaping wounds here. Uh, and he will get healthier, you know, as you progress into the regular season with Jake Gensel and guys like that likely coming back. Um, but but he knows that you know the the first round pick that he gave up to the Minnesota Wild to to acquire Jason Zucker or the prospect and in Addison who's uh, a young promising defenseman in the Western Hockey League and the Canadian Hockey League you know those are future pieces but by the time those players the draft picker Addison are able to to contribute and be impactful players in that Penguins lineup I mean the window is probably closed on Crosby Evgeny Malkin Chris Letang you know, go down the list. And, and I don't know that the Tampa Bay Lightning are that far behind. Um, they are a little bit. I, I think that there's still some time left for the Tampa Bay Lightning to, uh, to continue to build and develop. But this team is as Stanley Cup worthy today as they've ever been, in my opinion. So, again, it's an easy decision for me as not being the general manager or ownership of the Tampa Bay Lightning to say, absolutely, I'd be doing whatever I could within reason you know, to uh, to bolster my lineup. And if that, if that means you've got to give up 
some quality draft picks or you've got to give up a, a promising prospect, but you know that the piece you're bringing in is going to give you a better chance to be as successful as you want to be in the playoffs, then I think that that's a reasonable price to pay at this point. You bring up a great point because during Pittsburgh's cup runs, and they've won three over the last, what, 12, 13 years, yeah, the know. prospects, Darren, and the draft picks they've given up, I would venture to say that you probably can't remember 90% of them. I don't think they've turned out to be anything special. Now, they've done a good job, I think, supplementing their minor league system with maybe trades or going yeah. the, the college free agent route. But when you have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, to your point, and probably speaks to how good they've been over the last 14, 15 years, that you just have to keep that window open as long as you can. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, when you when you really dig into the Pittsburgh Penguins aside from their superstar status, I mean, come on, that's, that's how the successful foundation of the Penguins was built, right? It was built off the draft. And as Brian Burke once joked, winning a bleep lottery in, in Sidney Crosby. <laughs> uh, but it goes beyond that. You know, the quality of goaltending, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Matt Murray, Tristan Jarry is very good. They've got Casey DeSmith waiting in the wings. And, and you have to have that to be as successful an organization as the Pittsburgh Penguins have been. But Tampa Bay has that, right? I mean, Vasilevsky is just out of his mind right now in goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the pieces are there. Um, and again, it's easy for us to have this conversation and say, well, you're so close you know, why wouldn't you spend some of the, the, the future assets that you have to just nudge yourself closer, you know, to, to the, the dream of, of winning a Stanley Cup or competing for that Stanley Cup? And that's all fair, but then there has to be a balance in that, Greg. You know, what piece are we talking about here? You know, what is the piece that would be willing to, to pay that price? Because, look, I spend countless hours on the phone on a day-by-day basis, certainly at this point of the year when you're only days away from the February 24th trade deadline. And as I look down at the Eastern Conference standings and I look across the league, the parity is such that you know, the number of teams that are in the mix, it's hard to define who truly is uh, a seller. You, know, you can look at the obvious teams and say, well, you know, this team isn't going to make the playoffs, so they should be selling in selling mode. But, you know, those teams normally aren't giving away, you know, good quality players with reasonable contracts. So how deep, if at all, does Julian Breesbaugh want to dip into the rental market? Because those are the pieces that we're talking about right now. That's going to change and likely will change, you know, between now and, and February 24th. But to give up the assets that we've talked about, of course, we can all say, yes, do it. But the piece that you're bringing in had better be able to make a difference. And I think Breezebois has been very good uh, publicly and otherwise of analyzing over the past decade the number of trades made between now and the trade deadline that actually mattered and manifested into a Stanley Cup champion team. And I don't, I don't think the percentages are high. So if he does very little, I'm sure he'll uh, remind many of us in the media who talk about this day by day right. that his research and the data collected uh, further supports why he didn't do much. And you're right, because he's brought that up. And, yeah. But he also said, too, I remember to the media a couple of weeks ago, that it really is the only few, one of the few times you can actually be a buyer. And maybe the Lightning have to wait in the offseason to pull off a bigger move if that's kind of where they're headed. Yeah. You know, Darren, it's interesting. The team wanted to be tougher to play against this year. They wanted to be better defensively. Have you seen that change? And from the people you've talked to regarding this Lightning team, 
Are they better defensively, and do you think that'll serve them come serve them well come playoff time? Well, yeah, I think they're better defensively as a team, right? And that's what you're talking about. You're not talking about you know just their defensive core here. You know, to have success uh, in in today's NHL, you know, you've got to have the goaltend, you've got to have sound defense, you've got to be able to skate, you know, with speed, pace, all of those things, but you have to be able to play structured as well because there are so many talented teams and um, you know, it's hard to outscore your mistakes. And, and I think that the Tampa Bay lightning have learned that over time um, and, and having the constant voice of John Cooper in their ear. I mean, that matters too. I mean, this guy is a student of the game. He works hard at it and he's an excellent communicator. So uh, I think through growing pains and it takes a while to, to get to that point, heck just look at the Washington capitals and everything they had to go to, to get to uh, a Stanley Cup championship. Those are the things you have to be able to endure as an organization. And that's probably what impresses me most about the Tampa Bay Lightning than anything else. There really hasn't been a ton of knee-jerk, has there, over the years where, you know, you, you, it, it didn't work. Like, if they were going to do something dramatic or drastic, it would have happened last year after being dispatched in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. But, you know, ownership believes in management. You know, management believes in coaching. Uh, they've got a wonderful roster. Uh, and I think that there's now a, a cohesiveness from top to bottom that maybe didn't exist before. But that's just maturity, um, both as, a, as an athlete, but in your game, generally speaking, knowing what it takes to win. And I think the defensive structure that maybe they play with now, the attention to detail that they pay close attention to now, as opposed to other years, maybe as uh, high as it's been ever at this stage. Darren Drager from TSN joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live. Darren, the back end for the Lightning is really interesting, as you alluded to. You know about Victor Hedman and Ryan McDonough, but Kevin Shattenkirk and Mikhail Sergachev really have taken some big steps this year in their play. They are at different places in their careers, but both are ascending players right now, and those are things sometimes you can't account for before a season begins. No, you can't, uh, although I would say this about Sergachev especially. I think that we've all had eyes on that young man from the moment he stepped into the National Hockey League. The expectation was that, you know, he he was going to be a, a very good NHL defenseman. And to date, there's been nothing that I've seen outside of, you know, stretches where, again, I, I always use the, the term growing pains because it applies uh, both to teams and individual players. And especially with that position, Greg, you know, defense and goaltending, <clears throat> you really don't know what you've got until those players play a, a, a good amount of games. So you can truly analyze the body of the work. But I think we can see now Sergeyev is, is a top-notch NHL defenseman. It's going to come at a price, right? Restricted free agent at the end of the year. There's going to be some challenges there. Uh, but in Kevin Shattenkirk, you also get a, a rebound defenseman. You know, things did not go well for him uh, in New York. So, you know, he, he had to reset his career. Um, maybe adjusted his expectation to some degree, but he's a, a first-class athlete and a first-class teammate. And so for him, going through the experiences that he's had to endure, it's all about winning as a team. So he can adjust to whatever his role is, right? If he has to play upper in the pairings, he can do that. If he has to play lower in the pairings, he can do that as well. That was a nice ad, I think, by Tampa Bay. Lastly on Tampa, Anthony Sorelli really has taken strides in becoming one of the best two-way forwards, not only on the lightning, but in the game. Darren, when you take a look at his development, when you talk about winning championships, you do win championships with players like Sorelli, don't you? Oh, you do. Uh, and, and just a great NHL story. 
you know, dating back, in fact, to his pre-NHL days, right? You know, and, and the success that he had in the Ontario Hockey League. And uh, I watched him a lot during his junior days and was amazed at just how he seemed to slip under the radar until he was no longer under the radar. And in fact, he was a star player at that level. So I don't think that um, the, the, the hockey community should be overly surprised at how good he is because his work ethic is second to none. You know, he's got a, a ferocious appetite for getting better and he works at it both on and off the ice on a day by day basis. And, and yet one, one more great story that the Tampa lightning can probably be part of, but It'll come at a cost. You know, again, no different than Sergachev. Uh, I believe Sorelli, if I'm not mistaken, is a restricted free agent as well, right? Yep, yep. In the summer. Yep. So, you know, <laughs> Breezeball better have a pretty sharp pencil because uh, things are going to get complicated for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But those, those are problems, Greg, but they're good problems to have. Sure. I mean, you know, if, if, if your players, your, your pending free agents, develop to a place where they're hard to keep because of the cap. Well, that means that they've been real productive players within your organization. So um, I just, I, I like the way he plays the game, Anthony Sorelli. Uh, and it, it would be hard to imagine the Tampa lightning having a high level of success moving forward here without him because of everything that he can do. But that's a testament to, uh, to coaching and to the coachability of Anthony Sorelli. Darren Drager from TSN joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live. A couple more questions for Darren. Uh, there are three things, I think, Darren, that are certain in life, death, taxes, and Jim Rutherford making a move at the deadline. The Pens did it again with Jason Zucker. Initially, I thought it was a lot to give up, but with the term Zucker has on the deal and his skill set that he possesses, this has the makings of being a pretty impactful move for Pittsburgh. What did you make of the trade, and do you think Pittsburgh's done? Well, I'd never say Pittsburgh is done because Jimmy Rutherford doesn't know that he's done. He could be. I mean, his, his big game shopping is out of the way now. Landing Jason Zucker was, uh, was, was key, and it was an important piece. And, um, you know, this is just the, the confidence of a veteran general manager. I know that, you know, he and Billy Guerin of the Minnesota Wild essentially closed on that deal on Saturday and then said, ah, you know what? Let's just give it a day or two, and we'll we'll announce on Monday. But you know, you're okay with the deal. Yep, I'm okay with the deal. Perfect. Let's move forward. And and Jimmy knows that you're right. He paid a steep price, but he also moved a piece that wasn't a fit with a, with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Alex Galchenyuk. I don't know that the Minnesota Wild wanted Galchenyuk, but just from a cap perspective, that was the only way to make this deal work. So it was a good deal for Minnesota. You know, they look after their future. Now, you know, uh, Garen can be selective. He can be patient in, in whether he makes another significant move, and he might. I mean, there's lots of talk around Dumba. There's some talk around Brodeen. Um, he's got other elements that he's going to have to consider. But from Pittsburgh's standpoint, again, yeah, we can look at it with a critical eye and say yet again, Jimmy paid, but, you know, he gets a, a sound top six forward. You know, he made his debut last night on the wing with Sidney Crosby. I'm sure that, you know, there was a bit of nerves involved there, and uh, it's, it's going to take a bit of time for him to learn and, and uh, be able to execute uh, all the systems that Mike Sullivan has there. But those type of players aren't often available, and Rutherford was able to land them. Darren, we see Edmonton on Thursday. No Connor McDavid, but they are in a playoff spot right now in the Pacific. How legit are the Oilers? And with McDavid's injury, are they a team who is limited at the deadline, or do you see them adding as well? Well, 
I think Kenny Holland would like to to add. There's no certainty that he's going to be able to do that. You know, prior to the injury, he was talking about adding a, a top six, but that's that's going to be a challenge, depending on how long this injury is, Greg. If it's, uh, you know, two, three, four games, maybe it's not a huge deal. If it turns out to be uh, two, three weeks, as the Oilers indicated it might be yesterday, well, then there's going to be a bigger issue. But Kenny's in a wait-and-see mode. At least that's my understanding. But that uh, was an impressive bounce back, I would say, by the Oilers last night. You know, everybody kind of thought that without McDavid, this team was was going to struggle and worst case scenario might slip below the, the playoff line in that Western conference. But, you know, Leon Dreisaitl leads the way and uh, they got out a, a nice win. So as long as Connor McDavid isn't long-term, then I think Holland is willing to be uh, a little bit more patient right now, but you know, he's, he's got only a matter of days now to, uh, to determine what's available and whether or not he's willing to pay the price. You know, they'd like to add a third-line center, and somebody like J.G. Pajot from the Ottawa Senators would definitely fit that bill. But, you know, Ottawa would like to keep Pajot. So what's the ask and what's the price that Edmonton might have to pay to acquire that piece? We're probably not going to know that until maybe the 23rd or as late as the deadline. Darren, lastly, I wanted to save this story because you're the one that broke it. Arizona in some big trouble after it was reported they had at least 20 incidents of uh, the Coyotes fitness testing draft eligible players. Does the punishment have to be severe when it's all said and done? And do you feel like this is something that other teams have done in the past and the Coyotes just happen to get caught? Uh, well, if other teams have been doing it and didn't get caught, then shame on them because the rule book is very, very clear when it comes to this kind of thing. And, you know, Greg, the, the reason there is an NHL draft combine is so that NHL clubs can put their eyes on these players. They can see them in a workout environment and, and they can fitness test them. Uh, that's the essence of the combine. And, and then after the combine, they can get another crack at them for physical fitness testing. But again, the rules are very, very specific, and the suggested punishment for those who break those rules is is also laid out there pretty clearly. And it's a minimum of $250,000 per incident at the discretion of NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. Um, Since I broke this story, and I've updated it a couple of times, the number of NHL teams, sources that have reached out to me uh, just furious over it is is uh, it's tough to believe. I mean, this is a no-no. So ultimately, you know, what Bettman and company are going to decide, we're going to wait and see here clearly. I mean, it's in the hands of uh, the commissioner's office and uh, their team of lawyers. I doubt very much that they're going to wait a whole bunch longer, but I, I do feel like the punishment is going to be uh, severe. I, I really do. And uh, if it's not, then there'll be pushback from the other NHL clubs who are wondering, okay, well, if that's all you get for breaking the rules, then you know maybe we'll start doing something similar. And the NHL doesn't want any part of that. You talked about this on your, your podcast, which I, I found very interesting. And I'm wondering, lastly, is, is this just Arizona did it the wrong way, but the investment that these teams, the NHL clubs, are putting into, whether it's the AHL affiliates or draft prospects, to get an edge because of the parody in today's game, that you're putting more resources in developing and finding players. Yeah, and, and it's an important part for sure. And look, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what Arizona was thinking in terms of approaching it in the manner that they did. Um, but 
it, it, it's a huge issue uh, considering, you know, the edge that it may or may not give them. I guess it depends on how you look at it. I, you know, I look at the Ottawa Senators as an example. They've got 11 picks right now, and that number could grow. They've got five picks in the first two rounds. So the first two rounds for the Ottawa Senators uh, could develop a very nice future for that organization. Yeah, I, I would say that Pierre Dorian is, a, is an excellent eye of talent, and they've got a good scouting department in Ottawa. But wouldn't he like to have a bit of internal information similar to what is being alleged that the Arizona Coyotes were uh, collecting? And look, when, when you look at the bigger picture of how teams organizationally are built, there aren't too many teams in the NHL. I, I mean, I can't think of one that doesn't utilize full resource in the American Hockey League. And now, Greg, it even drifts into the East Coast Hockey League, right? So to go to these lengths to try and uh, bend the rules or argue that there's a, a gray area in the rule book just to get the edge on draft-eligible players, that's a tough one. I don't think too many teams are buying it. No, great work on that, though. It's been fascinating to read. Darren Drager from TSN joining us here on the show. Uh, Darren, you've got a great podcast out with uh, – Ray Ferraro, and uh, you've had some really good guests over the last really few weeks. Chris Pronger, I, I found the Eddie Olchek one very fascinating, just sitting down and, and listening to his story, how he met his wife and uh, how he you know, kind of got to where he is in his yeah. battle against cancer. But can you let people know where uh, they can listen to that podcast and, and maybe what you have in store for the next one? Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on rayandregs.com or really any um, you know, podcast platform is is there for us we published on all of them this week we've got paul bisonette from spit and chicklets and uh, of course works um through many different marketing avenues of the national hockey league and does some radio work for the arizona coyotes i mean that guy's a pistol so we're looking forward to having a few laughs with him um we put in the request by the way for steven stamkos not to put any pressure on him but the <laughs> reason being aside from the success of the Tampa bay lightning this year is uh, he recently passed Ray Ferrero on the goal scoring list, right? right? So Ray was wherever he was uh, on the list with 408 career goals. So uh, it didn't work out from a scheduling perspective that we could get uh, Stammer on as soon as he surpassed Ray. But uh, that was a, a big kick of reality for Ray Ferrero. <laughs> it was expected, obviously, given the, sure. the star status of Steven Stamkos. But at some point in the near future, we'll get him on. We'll have some fun with that. Yeah, as well. for sure. And we'll make sure we, uh, we tweet it out and listen <laughs> to it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview. As I told you, some really good insight, especially as uh, Tampa Bay looks towards the trade deadline. And uh, after not doing anything last year, could Julian Brisebois dip into the trade market ahead of the February 24th deadline? Very interesting stuff from Darren. So uh, we're pleased to be able to bring that here to you uh, in, in place of Bobby the Chief Taylor. Normally we have Bobby the Chief Taylor. In this, uh, in this interview, but uh, we felt that it was just a good time to replay that interview so it gets to a bigger audience. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed that uh, as well. All right, well, that's going to wrap up today's show. Um, this has been the opening faceoff again, 7 p.m. tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. You can listen to it here on Lightning Power Play. It's on Fox Sports Sun as well. Uh, the one and only meeting between these two teams, of course, a lot of injuries. It's taken a little bit of bite out of the star power in this game, but the Lightning look to win their ninth consecutive game here as they return home for a mini 
two-game homestand. All right, thanks to Braden Point for joining us a little bit earlier today. Thanks to Connor Zielinski for putting this all together and making it all sound so good. Next opening face-off show won't be until February the 25th. Again, no opening face-off on Saturday. There's some logistical issues, so we won't be able to do the show for you on Saturday. So we'll be back on February 25th, the day after the NHL trade deadline. So until February the 25th, have a happy hockey day.